Welcome to this week in surgery your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This week in surgery has you covered. Our podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the surgical field. We understand that your time is valuable, so we've done the hard work for you. Each episode offers a filtered and concentrated summary of key journal articles, allowing you to stay informed without the need to sift through pages of research papers. With this week in surgery, listening is faster than reading, and you can consume valuable medical knowledge while commuting, exercising, or during your daily routine, including in the operating room. This week in surgery we will be discussing articles published in October 2023 issues. First, Annals of Surgery. What happens on call doesn't stay on call. The effects of in-house call on acute care surgeon sleep and burnout, results of the surgeon performance, super, trial. Objective. We sought to quantify the effects of in-house call IHC, on sleep patterns and burnout among acute care surgeons, ACS. Background. Many ACS take incorporated, which leads to disrupted sleep and high levels of stress and burnout. Methods. Physiological and survey data of 224 ACS with IHC were collected over six months. Participants continuously wore a physiological tracking device and responded to daily electronic surveys. Daily surveys captured work and life events as well as feelings of restfulness and burnout. The Moslick Burnout Inventory, MBI, was administered at the beginning and end of the study period. Results Physiological data were recorded for 34,135 days, which includes 4,389 nights of IHC. Feelings of moderate, very, or extreme burnout occurred 25.7% of days and feelings of being moderately, slightly, or not at all rested occurred 75.91% of days. Decreased amount of time since the last IHC, reduced sleep duration, being on call, and having a bad outcome all contribute to greater feelings of daily burnout, p less than 0.001. Decreased time since last call also exacerbates the negative effect of IHC on burnout, p less than 0.01. Conclusions ACS exhibit lower quality and reduced amount of sleep compared with an age-matched population. Furthermore, reduced sleep and decreased time since the last call led to increased feelings of daily burnout, accumulating in emotional exhaustion as measured on the MBI. A re-evaluation of IHC requirements and patterns as well as identification of countermeasures to restore homeostatic wellness in ACS is essential to protect and optimize our workforce. Young onset rectal cancer, unique tumoral microbiome and correlation with response to neoadjuvant therapy. Objective. External exposures, the host, and the microbiome interact in oncology. We aim to investigate tumoral microbiomes in young onset rectal cancers, Yorks, for profiles potentially correlative with disease etiology and biology. Background. York is rapidly increasing with one in four new rectal cancer cases occurring under the age of 50 years. Its etiology is unknown. Methods York, less than 50 years old, or later onset rectal cancer, Lork, greater than or equal to 50 Y old, patients underwent pretreatment biopsied of tumor and tumor-adjacent normal, TAN, tissue. After whole genome sequencing, Metagenomic analysis quantified microbial communities comparing tumors versus TANs and Yorks versus LORCs, controlling for multiple testing. 
Response to neoadjuvant therapy, NT, was categorized as major pathological response, NPR, less than or equal to 10% residual viable tumor, versus non-NPR. Results Our 107 tumors, 75 TANs from 37, 35%, Yorks and 70, 65%, Lorks recapitulated bacterial species were previously associated with colorectal cancers, all P less than 0.0001. York and Lork tumoral microbiome signatures were distinct. After NT, 13 patients, 12.4%, achieved complete pathologic response, whereas NPR occurred in 47 patients, 44%. Among Yorks, NPR was associated with Fusobacterium nucleum, Bacteroides doray, and Ruminococcus bromii, all P less than 0.001 but NPR in LORC was associated with Arbromii, P less than 0.001. Network analysis of non-NPR tumors demonstrated a preponderance of oral bacteria not observed in NPR tumors. Conclusions Microbial signatures were distinct between York and LORC. Failure to achieve an NPR was associated with oral bacteria in tumors. These findings urge further studies to decipher correlative versus mechanistic associations but suggest a potential for microbial modulation to augment current treatments. Implementation of Entrustable Professional Activities in General Surgery, Results of a National Pilot Study Objective the ongoing complexity of general surgery training has led to an increased focus on ensuring the competence of graduating residents. Entrustable professional activities, EPAs, are units of professional practice that provide an assessment framework to drive competency-based education. T. The objective of this pilot study was to determine the feasibility and utility of EPAs in general surgery resident training. Methods Five EPAs were chosen based on the most common procedures reported in case logs and by practicing general surgeons, right lower quadrant pain, biliary disease, inguinal hernia, along with common activities covering additional milestones, performing a consult, care of a trauma patient. Levels of entrustment assigned, 1 to 5, were observation only, direct supervision, indirect supervision, unsupervised, and teaching others. Participating in site recruitment and faculty development occurred from 2017 to 2018. EPA implementation at individual residency programs began on July 1, 2018, and was completed on June 30, 2020. Each site was assigned two EPAs to implement and collected EPA microassessments on residents for those EPAs. The Site Clinical Competency Committees, CCC, used these microassessments to make summative entrustment decisions. Data submitted to the independent de-identified data repository every six months included the number of microassessments collected per resident per EPA and CCC summative entrustment decisions. Results 28 sites were selected to participate in the program and represented geographic and size variability, community, and university-based programs. Over the course of the two-year pilot programs reported on 14 to 180 residents. Overall, 6,272 formative microassessments were collected, range, 0 to 1,144 per site. Each resident had between 0 and 184 microassessments. The mean number of microassessments per resident was 5.6, SD equals 13.4, 
with a median of 1 interquartile range, IQR, equals 6. There were 1,763 summative entrustment ratings assigned to 497 unique residents. The average number of observations for entrustment was 3.24, SD 3.61, with a median of 2, IQR 3. In general, PGY1 residents were entrusted at the level of direct supervision and PGY5 residents were entrusted at unsupervised practice or teaching others. For each EPA other than the consult EPA, the degree of entrustment reported by the CCC increased by resident level. Conclusions These data provide evidence that widespread implementation of EPAs across general surgery programs is possible, but variable. They provide meaningful data that graduating chief residents are entrusted by their faculty to perform without supervision for several common general surgery. Increased preoperative stress test utilization is not associated with reduced adverse cardiac events in current U.S. surgical practice. Objective To measure the frequency of preoperative stress testing and its association with perioperative cardiac events. Background There is persistent variation in preoperative stress testing across the United States. It remains unclear whether more testing is associated with reduced perioperative cardiac events. Methods we use the Visient Clinical Database to study patients who underwent one of eight elective major surgical procedures, general, vascular, or oncologic, from 2015 to 2019. We group centers into quintiles by frequency of stress test use. We computed a modified revised cardiac risk index, Mercury, score for included patients. Outcomes included in-hospital major adverse cardiac events, MESAs, myocardial infarction, ME, and COST which we compared across quintiles of stress test use. Results We identified 185,612 patients from 133 centers. The mean age was 61.7, plus or minus 14.2, years, 47.5% were female, and 79.4% were white. Stress testing was performed in 9.2% of patients undergoing surgery, and varied from 1.7% at lowest quintal centers, to 22.5% at highest quintal centers, despite similar mercury comorbidity scores, mercury greater than 1, 15.0% versus 15.8%, p equals 0.068. In-hospital MACE was less frequent among lowest versus highest quintal centers, 8.2% versus 9.4%, p less than 0.001, despite a 13-fold difference in stress test use. Event rates were similar for me half a percent versus half a percent, p equals 0.737. Mean added cost for stress testing per 1,000 patients who underwent surgery was $26,996 at lowest quintal centers versus $357,300 at highest quintal centers. Conclusions There is substantial variation in preoperative stress testing across the United States despite similar patient risk profiles. Increased testing was not associated with reduced perioperative MACE or ME. These data suggest that more selective stress testing may be an opportunity for cost savings through a reduction of unnecessary tests. Next article is from JAMA Surgery. 
Association Between Markers of Structural Racism and Mass Shooting Events in Major U.S. Cities Importance The root cause of mass shooting events, MSEs, and the populations most affected by them are poorly understood. Objective to examine the association between structural racism and mass shootings in major metropolitan cities in the United States. Design, setting, and participants This cross-sectional study of MSEs in the 51 largest metropolitan statistical areas, MSAs, in the United States analyzes population-based data from 2015 to 2019 and the Gun Violence Archive. The data analysis was performed from February 2021 to January 2022. Exposure shooting event where four or more people not including the shooter were injured or killed. Main outcome and measures MSE incidents and markers of structural racism from demographic data, Gini income coefficient, black-white segregation index and violent crime rate. Results There were 865 MSEs across all 51 MSAs from 2015 to 2019 with a total of 3,968 injuries and 828 fatalities. Higher segregation index, Rho equals 0.46, P equals 0.003, was associated with MSE incidents, adjusted per 100,000 population, using Spearman Rho analysis. Percentage of the MSA population comprising black individuals, Rho equals 0.76, P less than 0.001, children in a single parent household, Rho equals 0.44, P less than 0.001, and violent crime rate, Rho equals 0.34, P equals 0.03, were other variables associated with MSEs. On linear regression, structural racism, as measured by percentage of the MSA population comprising black individuals, was associated with MSEs, beta equals 0.10, 95% C, 0.05 to 0.14, P less than 0.001. Segregation index, beta equals 0.02, 95% C, minus 0.03 to 0.06, P equals 0.53, children in a single parent household, Beta equals minus 0.04, 95% C, minus 0.11 to 0.04, P equals 0.28, and Gini income coefficient, beta equals minus 1.02, 95% C, minus 11.97 to 9.93, P equals 0.93, were not associated with MSEs on linear regression. Conclusions and relevance This study found that major U.S. cities with higher populations of black individuals are more likely to be affected by MSEs, suggesting that structural racism may have a role in their incidence. Public health initiatives aiming to prevent MSEs should target factors associated with structural racism to address gun violence. Outcomes for high-risk surgical procedures across high- and low-competition hospital markets Objective to evaluate whether there is an association between hospital market competition and outcomes after high-risk surgery. Design, participants were 65 years and older who electively underwent one of 10 high-risk surgical procedures from 2015 to 2018, carotid and bartorectomy, mitral valve repair, open aortic aneurysm repair, lung resection, esophagectomy, pancreatectomy, rectal resection, hip replacement, knee replacement, and bariatric surgery. Hospitals were categorized into high-competition and low-competition markets based on the hospital market Herfindahl-Hirschman Index. C. 
Main Outcomes and Measures 30-Day Postoperative Mortality and Readmissions. Results A total of 2,242,438 Medicare beneficiaries were included in the study. The mean, SD, age of the cohort was 74.1, 6.4, years, 1,328,946 were women, 59.3%, and 913,492 were men, 40.7%. When examined by procedure, Compared with low-competition hospitals, high-competition market hospitals demonstrated higher 30-day mortality for two of 10 procedures, mitral valve repair, odds ratio, or, 1.11, 95% C, 1.07 to 1.14, and carotid endarterectomy, or, 1.06, 95% C, 1.03 to 1.09, and no difference for five of 10 procedures, open aortic aneurysm repair, bariatric surgery, esophagectomy, knee replacement, and hip replacement, ranging from or, 0.97, 95% C, 0.94 to 1.00, for hip replacement to or, 1.09, 95% C, 0.94 to 1.26, for bariatric surgery. High competition hospitals also demonstrated 30-day readmissions that were higher for 5 of 10 procedures, open aortic aneurysm repair, knee replacement, mitral valve repair, rectal resection, and carotid endarterectomy, ranging from or, 1.01, 95% C, 1.00 to 1.02, for knee replacement to or, 1.05, 95% C, 1.02 to 1.08, for rectal resection, and no difference for three procedures, bariatric surgery, or, 1.03, 95% C, 0.99 to 1.07, esophagectomy, or, 1.02, 95% C, 0.99 to 1.06, and pancreatectomy, or, 1.00, 95% C, 0.99 to 1.01. Hospitals in high competition compared with low competition markets cared for patients who were older, mean, SD, age of 74.4, 6.6, years versus 74.0, 6.2, years, respectively, p less than 0.001, were more likely to be racial and ethnic minority individuals, 77,324,504, percent versus 23,328,444,900, 5.6%, respectively, p less than 0.001, and had more comorbidities, greater than or equal to two Elixhauser comorbidities. 302,415,450,404, 67.1%, versus 284,355,444,900, respectively, p less than 0.001. Conclusions and relevance This study found that hospital market competition was not consistently associated with improved outcomes after high risk surgery. Efforts to maintain hospital market competition may not achieve better postoperative outcomes. Interoperative identification of thyroid and parathyroid tissues during human endocrine surgery using the MOS spec pen. Importance Interoperative identification of tissues through gross inspection during thyroid and parathyroid surgery is challenging yet essential for preserving healthy tissue and improving outcomes for patients. Objective to evaluate the performance and clinical applicability of the MOS spec pen, MS pen, 
technology for discriminating thyroid, parathyroid, and lymph node tissues intraoperatively. Design, setting, and participants in this diagnostic-slash-prognostic study, the MS-PEN was used to analyze 184 fresh frozen thyroid, parathyroid, and lymph node tissues in the laboratory and translated to the operating room to enable in vivo and ex vivo tissue analysis by endocrine surgeons in 102 patients undergoing thyroidectomy and parathyroidectomy procedures. This diagnostic study was conducted between August 2017 and March 2020. Fresh frozen tissues were analyzed in a laboratory. Clinical analyses occurred in an operating room at an academic medical center. Of the analyses performed on 184 fresh frozen tissues, 131 were included based on sufficient signal and post-analysis pathologic diagnosis. From clinical tests, 102 patients undergoing surgery were included. A total of 1,015 intraoperative analyses were performed, with 269 analyses subject to statistical classification. Statistical classifiers for discriminating thyroid, parathyroid, and lymph node tissues were generated using training sets comprising both laboratory and intraoperative data and evaluated on an independent test set of intraoperative data. Data were analyzed from July to December 2022. Main outcomes and measures accuracy for each tissue type was measured for classification models discriminating thyroid, parathyroid, and lymph node tissues using MS-PEN data compared to gross analysis and final pathology results. Results of the 102 patients in the intraoperative study, 80 were female, 78%, and the median, IQR, age was 52, 42-66, years. For discriminating thyroid and parathyroid tissues, an overall accuracy, defined as agreement with pathology, of 92.4%, 95% C, 87.7 to 95.4, was achieved using MS-PEN data, with 82.6%, 95% C, 76.5 to 87.4, accuracy achieved for the independent test set. For distinguishing thyroid from lymph node and parathyroid from lymph node, overall training set accuracies of 97.5%, 95% C, 92.8 to 99.1, and 96.1%, 95% 91.2 to 98.3, respectively, were achieved. Conclusions and relevance in this study, the MS-PEN showed high performance for discriminating thyroid, parathyroid, and lymph node tissues intraoperatively, suggesting this technology may be useful for providing near-real-time feedback on tissue type to aid in surgical decision-making. Next article is from British Journal of Surgery. Predictive value of baseline serum carbohydrate antigen 19 to 9 level on treatment effect of neoadjuvant chemoradiotherapy in patients with resectable and borderline resectable pancreatic cancer in two randomized trials. Background Guidelines suggest that the serum carbohydrate antigen, CA199, level should be used when deciding on neoadjuvant treatment in patients with resectable and borderline resectable pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma hereafter referred to as pancreatic cancer. In patients with resectable pancreatic cancer, neoadjuvant therapy is advised when the CA199 level is markedly elevated. This study investigated the impact of baseline CA199 concentration on the treatment effect of neoadjuvant chemoradiotherapy, CRT, in patients with resectable and borderline resectable pancreatic cancers. Methods 
In this post hoc analysis, data were obtained from two RCTs that compared neoadjuvant CRT with upfront surgery in patients with resectable and borderline resectable pancreatic cancers. The effect of neoadjuvant treatment on overall survival was compared between patients with a serum CA199 level above or below 500 units ml using the interaction test. Results Of 296 patients, 179 were eligible for analysis, 90 in the neoadjuvant court group and 89 in the upfront surgery group. Neoadjuvant CRT was associated with superior overall survival, HR 0.67, 95% CI 0.48-0.94, P equals 0.019. Among 127 patients, 79%, with a low CA-199 level, median overall survival was 23.5 months with neoadjuvant CRT and 16.3 months with upfront surgery, HR 0.63, 0.42-0.93. For 52 patients, 29%, with a high CA199 level, median overall survival was 15.5 months with neoadjuvant CRT and 12.9 months with upfront surgery, HR 0.82-0.45-1.49. The interaction test for CA199 level exceeding 500 units ml on the treatment effect of neoadjuvant CRT was not significant, P equals 0.501. Conclusion Baseline serum CA199 level defined as either high or low has prognostic value, but was not associated with the treatment effect of neoadjuvant CRT in patients with resectable and borderline resectable pancreatic cancers, in contrast with current guideline advice. Next article is from Journal of Vascular Surgery. Postoperative acute kidney injury after thoracic endovascular aortic repair for acute type B aortic dissection. Background Thoracic endovascular aortic repair, TVAR, has evolved as the standard for treating complicated acute type B aortic dissection, ATBAD. Acute kidney injury, AKI, is a common complication in critically ill patients and is commonly observed in patients with ATBAD. The purpose of the study was to characterize Aki after TVAR. Methods all patients who underwent TVAR for ATBAD from 2011 through 2021 were identified using the International Registry of Acute Aortic Dissection. The primary endpoint was Aki. A generalized linear model analysis was performed to identify a factor associated with postoperative Aki. Results A total of 630 patients presented with ATBAD and underwent TVAR. The indication for TVAR was complicated ATBAD in 64.3%, high-risk uncomplicated ATBAD in 27.6%, and uncomplicated ATBAD in 8.1%. Of 630 patients, 102, 16.2%, developed postoperative Aki, Aki group, and 528 patients, 83.8%, did not, non-Aki group. The most common indication for TVAR was malperfusion, 37.5%. In-hospital mortality was significantly higher in the Aki group, 18.6% versus 4%, P less than 0.001. Postoperatively, cerebrovascular accident, spinal cord ischemia, limb ischemia, and prolonged ventilation were more commonly observed in the Aki group. The expected mortality was similar at two years between the two groups, P equals 0.51. 
Overall, the preoperative Aki was observed in 95, 15.7%, in the entire cohort consisting of 60, 64.5%, in the Aki group and 35, 6.8%, in the non-Aki group. A history of CKD, odds ratio, 4.6, 95% confidence interval, 1.5 to 14.1, P equals 0.01, and preoperative Aki, odds ratio, 24.1. 95% confidence interval, 10.6 to 55.0, p less than 0.001, were independently associated with postoperative Aki. Conclusions The incidence of postoperative Aki was 16.2% in patients undergoing Tavar for ADBAD. Patients with postoperative Aki had a higher rate of in-hospital morbidities and mortality than those without. A history of CKD and preoperative Aki were independently associated with postoperative Aki. Next article is from Surgical Endoscopy. Timing and Management of Bleeding After Bariatric Surgery Background The timing of bleeding after bariatric surgery and subsequent management, characterized as surgical versus non-surgical, i.e. interventions including endoscopic or interventional radiology approaches, has not been thoroughly studied. As such, we sought to describe the rates of reoperation or non-operative intervention after bleeding following sleep gastrectomy. SG, or RUNY gastric bypass, RYGB. Methods The Metabolic and Bariatric Accreditation and Quality Improvement Program, SACUP, database was queried between 2015 and 2018 for any bleeding after SG or RYGB and subsequent reoperation or non-operative intervention. Multivariable fine-grain models were used to compare the hazard of reoperation slash non-operative intervention. Multivariable generalized linear regression models were used to test the number of subsequent reoperations slash non-operative interventions depending on initial management. Results 6,251 patients with bleeding after SG or RIGB were identified, of which 2,653 patients underwent subsequent procedures, and equals 1,375, 51.83%, RIGB index procedure, and equals 1,278, 48.17%, SG index procedure. 1892, 71.32%, and 761, 28.68%, patients had reoperation and non-operative intervention, respectively. For patients who developed bleeding, SG was associated with significantly higher reoperation risk, while RIGB was associated with significantly higher risk of non-operative intervention. Early bleeding was associated with significantly increased risk of reoperation and decreased risk of non-operative intervention, regardless of initial procedure. The total number of subsequent reoperations slash non-operative interventions did not differ significantly depending on whether the patients had non-operative intervention or reoperation first, ratio 1.01, 95% C, 0.75, 1.36, B value 0.9418. Conclusion Patients after SG who experience bleeding are more likely to undergo reoperation than RIGB patients. On the other hand, patients with bleeding after RIGB are more likely to undergo non-operative intervention compared to SG patients. Early bleeding is associated with higher risk of reoperation and lower risk of non-operative intervention both after SG and RIGB. 
the initial approach did not play a role in the total number of subsequent reoperations/non-operative interventions. Next article is from Annals of Surgical Oncology. A randomized trial comparing the effectiveness of pre-test genetic counseling using an artificial intelligence automated chatbot and traditional in-person genetic counseling in women newly diagnosed with breast cancer. Background Alternative service delivery models are critically needed to address the increasing demand for genetic services and limited supply of genetics experts available to provide pre-test counseling. Methods we conducted a prospective randomized controlled trial of women with stage 03 breast cancer not meeting National Comprehensive Cancer Network NCCN, criteria for genetic testing. Patients were randomized to pre-test counseling with a chatbot or a certified genetic counselor GC. Participants completed a questionnaire assessing their knowledge of breast cancer genetics and a survey assessing satisfaction with their decision regarding pre-test counseling. Results a total of 39 patients were enrolled and 37 were randomized to genetic counseling with an automated chatbot or a GC, 19 were randomized to chatbot and 18 to traditional genetic counseling, and 13, 38.2%, had a family member with breast cancer but they did not meet NCCN criteria. All patients opted to undergo genetic testing. Testing revealed 6 pathogenic variants in 5 patients, 13.5%, check 2, N equals 2, MSH3, N equals 1, Mutia, N equals 1, and BRCA1, and HOXP13, N equals 1. No patients had a delay in time to treatment due to genetic testing turnaround time, nor did any patients undergo additional risk-reducing surgery. There was no significant difference in median knowledge score between chatbot and traditional counseling, 11 versus 12, P equals 0.09, or in median patient satisfaction score, 30 versus 30, P equals 0.19. Conclusion Satisfaction and comprehension in patients with breast cancer undergoing pre-test genetic counseling using an automated chatbot is comparable to in-person genetic testing. Utilization of this technology can offer improved access to care and a much-needed alternative for pre-test counseling. Next article is from Obesity Surgery. Long-term follow-up 15 years after duodenal switch or gastric bypass for superobesity, a randomized controlled trial. Background. In superobesity, RUNY gastric bypass, RYGB, may be insufficient why some surgeons advocate biliopancreatic diversion with duodenal switch, BPD-DS, a more malabsorptive procedure. There is a paucity of evidence regarding results beyond 10 years, especially after BPD-DS. The aim of this randomized controlled trial was to compare the long-term outcome of BPD-DS and RIGB in patients with superobesity, i.e., body mass index, BMI, greater than 50 kg M2. Methods This is a 13-17 year follow-up study of a single-center, single-blinded randomized trial in which 47 patients, BMI greater than 48 and eligible for bariatric surgery, were randomized 1 to 1 to BPD-DS and RIGB, 25 men, 24 BPD-DS, 39.1 plus or minus 9.9 years, 
BMI 54.5 plus or minus 6.1 kg M2. The primary outcome was weight loss. The study was financed by Swedish Governmental Funding of Clinical Research, ALF. Trial registration number, Isrkn 1094791. Results. 34, 18 BPD slash DS, of the living 42 patients, 81.0%, participated. BPD slash DS resulted in higher BMI loss, 20.4 plus or minus 7.9 versus 12.4 plus or minus 8.6, P equals 0.008, and higher percent of total body weight loss, 37.5% plus or minus 12.2 versus 22.8% plus or minus 14.8, P equals 0.004. BPD slash DS was associated with lower fasting glucose, glycated hemoglobin, FA1C and low-density lipoprotein, LDL, as well as lower hemoglobin. Adverse events were more common after BPD-DS, 2.7 versus 0.9 per patient, P equals 0.004. The Global Assessment Tool Barrows, Bariatric Analysis and Reporting Outcome System, demonstrated superior scores for BPD-DS, P equals 0.047. Conclusion When compared to RIGB, BPD-DS results in superior weight loss and metabolic control as well as superior Barrow score, however, at the cost of more adverse events. Next article is from Journal of the American College of Surgeons. Early postoperative fever and atelectasis in patients undergoing upper abdominal surgery. Background. Atelectasis is a common complication after upper abdominal surgery and considered as a cause of early postoperative fever, EPF, within 48 hours after surgery. However, the pathophysiologic mechanism of how atelectasis causes fever remains unclear. Study design. Data for adult patients who underwent elective major upper abdominal surgery under general anesthesia at Seoul National University Hospital between January and December of 2021 were retrospectively analyzed. The primary outcome was the association between fever and atelectasis within two days after surgery. Results Of 1,624 patients, 810 patients, 49.9%, developed EPF. The incidence of atelectasis was similar between the fever group and the no-fever group, 51.6% versus 53.9%, P equals 0.348. Multivariate analysis showed no significant association between atelectasis and EPF. Culture tests, 21.7% versus 8.8%, P less than 0.001, and prolonged use of antibiotics, 25.9% versus 13.9%, P less than 0.001, were more frequent in the fever group compared to the no-fever group. However, the frequency of bacterial growth on culture tests and postoperative pulmonary complications within seven days were similar between the two groups. Conclusions EPF after major upper abdominal surgery was not associated with radiologically detected atelectasis. EPF also was not associated with the increased risk of postoperative pulmonary complications, bacterial growth on culture studies, or prolonged length of hospital stay. (music) 
Outcomes of targeted muscle reinnervation and regenerative peripheral nerve interfaces for chronic pain control in the oncologic amputee population. Background Outcomes of targeted muscle reinnervation, TMR, and regenerative peripheral nerve interface, RPNI, in the oncologic population are limited. We sought to examine the safety and effectiveness of TMR and RPNI in controlling postamputation pain in the oncologic population. Study Design A retrospective cohort study of consecutive patients who underwent oncologic amputation followed by immediate TMR or RPNI was conducted from November 2018 to May 2022. The primary study outcome was postamputation pain, assessed using the numeric pain scale and patient reported outcomes measurement information system, PROMIS, for residual limb pain, RLP, and phantom limb pain, PLP. Secondary outcomes included postoperative complications, tumor recurrence, and opioid use. Results 63 patients were evaluated for a mean follow-up period of 11.3 months. The majority of patients, 65.1%, had a history of previous limb salvage. At final follow-up, patients had an average numeric pain scale score for RLP of 1.3 plus or minus 2.2 and for PLP, 1.9 plus or minus 2.6. The final average raw promise measures were pain intensity 6.2 plus or minus 2.9, T-score 43.5, pain interference 14.6 plus or minus 8.3, T-score 55.0, and pain behavior 39.0 plus or minus 22.1, T-score 53.4. Patient opioid use decreased from 85.7% preoperatively to 37.7% postoperatively and morphine milligram equivalents decreased from a mean of 52.4 plus or minus 53.0 preoperatively to 20.2 plus or minus 38.4 postoperatively. Conclusions In the oncologic population TMR and RPNI are safe surgical techniques associated with significant reductions in RLP, PLP, and improvements in patient-reported outcomes. This study provides evidence for the routine incorporation of TMR and RPNI in the multidisciplinary care of oncologic amputees. Next article is from Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery. Does lower extremity fracture fixation technique influence neurologic outcomes in patients with traumatic brain injury? The East Brain vs. Bone Multicenter Trial Objective This study aimed to determine whether lower extremity fracture fixation technique and timing, less than or equal to 24 versus greater than 24 hours, impact neurologic outcomes in TBI patients. Methods A prospective observational study was conducted across 30 trauma centers, Inclusion criteria were age 18 years and older, head abbreviated injury scale, AIS, score of greater than 2, and a diaphyseal femur or tibia fracture requiring external fixation, X-fix, intramedullary nailing, IMN or open reduction and internal fixation, ORIF. The analysis was conducted using analysis of Variums, Kruskal-Wallis, and multivariable regression models. Neurologic outcomes were measured by Discharge Ranchos Los Amigos Revised Scale, or Lazar. Results Of the 520 patients enrolled, 358 underwent X-Fix, IMN, or a RIF as definitive management. Head AIS was similar among cohorts. 
The XFIX group experienced more severe lower extremity injuries, AIS score, 4 to 5, compared with the IMN group, 16% versus 3%, P equals 0.01, but not the ARIF group, 16% versus 6%, P equals 0.1. Time to operative intervention varied between the cohorts with the longest time to intervention for the IMN group, median hours, XFIX, 15, 8 to 24, versus ARIF, 26, 12 to 85, versus IMN, 31, 12 to 70, P less than 0.001. The discharge role is our score distribution was similar across the groups. After adjusting for confounders, neither method nor timing of lower extremity fixation influenced the discharge role as R. Instead, increasing age and head AIS score were associated with a lower discharge role as R score, odds ratio, or, 1.02, 95% confidence interval, C, 1.002 to 1.03 and or, 2.37, 95% C, 1.75 to 3.22, and a higher Glasgow Coma Scale Motor Score on admission, or, 0.84, 95% C, 0.73 to 0.97, was associated with higher Lazar score at discharge. Conclusion Neurologic outcomes in TBI are impacted by severity of the head injury and not the fracture fixation technique or timing. Therefore, the strategy of definitive fixation of lower extremity fractures should be dictated by patient physiology and the anatomy of the injured extremity and not by the concern for worsening neurologic outcomes in TBI patients. Next article is from the American Journal of Surgery. Rectal cancer without response to neoadjuvant treatment, do not wait for surgery. Background We hypothesize that prolonging the interval to surgery in non-responders to neoadjuvant chemoradiation therapy, NCRT, could lead to worse oncologic outcomes. Methods Rectal adenocarcinoma patients with poor tumor response to NCRT, AJCC tumor regression grade 3, were selected. Oncologic outcomes were evaluated according to the time interval between completion of NCRT and surgery. Results Among 56 non-responders, 28 patients surgically treated greater than or equal to 8 weeks after completion of NCRT had worse disease-free survival, 31% versus 49%, P equals 0.05, and worse overall survival, 34% versus 53%, P equals 0.02, compared to patients less than 8 weeks. Using the three different intervals, greater than or equal to 12 weeks, 6 to 12 weeks, and less than 6 weeks, waiting longer was consistently associated with worse overall, 23% versus 48% versus 63%, P equals 0.02, and worse cancer-specific survival, 35% versus 61% versus 71%, P equals 0.04, respectively. Conclusion for rectal cancer patients who are non-responders to NCRT, delay of surgery may lead to worse oncologic outcomes. Next article is from World Journal of Surgery. Outpatient non-operative management of uncomplicated acute appendicitis, a non-inferiority study. Introduction 
Non-operative management, NOM, of uncomplicated acute appendicitis is a well-established alternative to upfront surgery. The administration of intravenous broad-spectrum antibiotics is usually performed in hospital, and only one study described outpatient NOM. The aim of this multi-center retrospective non-inferiority study was to evaluate both safety and non-inferiority of outpatient compared to inpatient NOM and uncomplicated acute appendicitis. Methods The study included 668 consecutive patients with uncomplicated acute appendicitis. Patients were treated according to the surgeon's preference, 364 upfront appendectomy, 157 inpatient NOM, INOM, and 147 outpatient NOM, OUTNOM. The primary endpoint was the 30-day appendectomy rate, with a non-inferiority limit of 5%. Secondary endpoints were negative appendectomy rate, 30-day unplanned emergency department, ED, visits, and length of stay. Results 30-day appendectomies were 16, 10.9%, in the OUTNOM group and 23, 14.6%, in the ANOM group, P equals 0.327. OUTNOM was non-inferior to ANOM with a risk difference of 3.80% 97.5% C, minus 12.57, 4.97. No difference was found between ANOM and OUTNOM groups for the number of complicated appendicitis, 3 versus 5, and negative appendectomy, 1 versus 0. 26, 17.7%, outnom patients required an unplanned at visit after a median of 1, 1 to 4, days. In the outnom group, the mean cumulative in hospital stay was 0.89, 1.94, days compared with 3.94, 2.17, days in the anom group, p less than 0.001. Conclusions Outpatient NOM was non-inferior to inpatient NOM with regard to the 30-day appendectomy rate, while a shorter hospital stay was found in the out-NOM group. Further, studies are required to confirm these findings. Thank you for listening to this week in surgery, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week ahead, stay blessed and be humane.